Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Drive Home Call-In Show here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Ryan and Mike back with you again. I'm on the drive home. Mike is over at Mission Control. Uh, and uh, He'll be able to read the chat comments coming in as well throughout the show as we do this live in our Discord community, taking your comments, your questions. If you want to hop up onto the stage and ask an audio question, Please put your hand up and do so. And if you're listening to this after the fact on our audio feeds and want to join in next time, join the link in the episode description. Go to the Discord community and join it for free. Lots of fun stuff going on with the Discord every single week. Uh, Mike, how are you doing today? Not bad at all, actually. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Not bad. All right. Well, it was a not bad week in the CFL. Uh, we're going to talk about everything from week 11, our biggest takeaways from the week and, uh, entertaining week, some very close, exciting football games, but Mike, let's start with, this is not a drill. This is not fantasy. This is not a figment of your imagination. The Edmonton Elks won a football game. Can you believe it? They did. Well, they did. I did it quite convincingly. And uh, a member of our podcast crew actually called the Nelt victory. I believe he's what, listening right now. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, you know what? Yeah, good for them. Um, you wonder how a team would recover after such a devastating loss. A uh, loss that I don't even think was what their opposition did, but more so what they did. Um, boy, and then just push another team into complete another disarray. If they were in complete another disarray, uh, it's just remarkable. Um, good for them. Uh, and we'll see if they can follow it up this week. I mean, Ryan, you and I were talking, their schedule is conducive for a little bit of a run. Uh, to recap, it's Ottawa this week, and then the Stampeders back-to-back on Labor Day and the Labor Day rematch. So, it's a whole bunch of things that just make you go, hmm. Yeah, if you would have told me coming into this week that the uh, the largest margin of victory would go to Edmonton, I would have called you a little bit crazy, because we had so many close games, and they won by, what, 13, 14 points in this one, but... They got it done, and, you know, last week they showed signs of life with Trey Ford at, in at quarterback, and obviously it fell apart in the second half, and and this week they managed to put up a strong performance, you know, most of the way through. The whole time you watch an Elks game, though, it's, it's, it's waiting for, okay, when's that shoe going to drop? When is this team going to fall uh, apart in this game? Because they've started the first half decently well. A lot of games this season is the second half where it fell apart. But see, here's the key this time around, Mike. They essentially had two first halves because they had a rain delay, a lightning delay at halftime, which, by the way, may be in the history in the nine years we've podcasted together. My greatest take of all time when I did call it on our show Wednesday night that this game would get a weather delay at halftime. I, 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 can't, I can't top that. I... I think I need to quit my day job and become a meteorologist now. Start my career as a weatherman. Um, but the Elks, you know, they, they get it done. They got it done here against the Ticats. And like you said, now there's a bit of a, 
a rally point and immediately we semi-jokingly semi-realistically all start having the discussion can this team actually make the playoffs still what do you think it's possible yes unlikely probably um only reason i say that ryan is i think we're having a completely different discussion if saskatchewan loses their game to bc i think that Saskatchewan upset of BC makes things just a little bit more challenging. Granted, uh, um, a lot has to happen, but, you know, crazier things have happened. Uh, let's see. I want to see that follow-up this week. And suddenly an Ottawa team they're playing this coming up week that uh, seems to just find new ways to lose all of a sudden. Yeah, and, you know, Edmonton, I think that Saskatchewan win makes it tough because, well, you're going to need to beat out Saskatchewan and Calgary or beat out at least one of them and then Ottawa and Hamilton, presumably, out east. Uh, It's not out of the equation. I mean, they play Ottawa this week. They win that. They're technically two games back the crossover there, so anything can happen for them. But uh, And, of course, I'm rooting for it. I saw Adam say, bring the chaos. yeah, I'm always Team Chaos, and I think anything can happen. I think I need to see a bit more consistency, though, right? Like, Trey Ford has come in and I don't think has hurt the team. And I'll say, you know, I'll say he's helped the team. You know, it's it's a shift in the team dynamic. It seems like there's a lot more energy around this team. I don't think he's lit it up so far. I think much like Dustin Crum, you know, he's used his legs and he's had a an average or slightly below average passing performance. But, you know, sometimes that all it, that's all it takes to win a matchup in a football game. And they get their first win here, and we'll see how many more they can get going forward. They also got a bit of a win perhaps off the field. Uh, it was announced yesterday. Uh, we talked last week, I think it was on the Wednesday preview show, about uh, Victor Cooley uh, mutually parting ways with the Edmonton Elks. And now they've got a new president and owner in place. Looks like Rick Wallisher, uh, who was very integral over in BC before Amar Doman took over. Uh, he's going to come make a return to Edmonton to uh, help them with some of the off-field stuff there. Uh, what kind of impact do you think that's going to make? Well, it's also a dive event sometimes Edmonton prior to one of BC. So this is kind of a matter of familiarity. Um, I, I found it really interesting. There was, was some discussion about, you know, what happened beyond this year kind of thing, like in the next year, uh, having to find ways to inject money into a community-owned team. So it's almost like there's some discussion, but this is like not even just an interim. It almost sounds like they're willing to give them a long-term. Uh, but started at an interim position. It, it, it's interesting some of the wording that they use uh, for that. And, you know, in all, all accounts, you seem to have somewhat uh, success there. Um, you, you know, you might you bring in somebody that is familiar with the market, familiar with the fan base. Probably, I would presume, familiar with some of the front office staff. Um, don't want to say this is a security blanket hire, but it it it, it, it makes all the sense in the world given the history um, and the resume for sure. Anything going on in the chat there, Mike, on this topic? No, Adam uh, saying how he called the uh, called the outs win. Uh, um, 
Putting forward until under a minute left. Just to bring on the chaos, like you said, uh, just me or did the audio quit? I don't think so, uh, Adam. Uh, I have Ryan perfectly yeah. okay. I can still hear you. You can still hear me. So hopefully everybody can hear this. If not, you and I, I guess, are just going to have a nice little chat on the on my drive home from work here, which is really what this is. Every week, you get to chat with you, you get to chat with members of the district, and I love it. Uh, it honestly yep. makes the drive go so much faster when I'm stuck in traffic. Yeah, and then uh, not too long of the detours uh, the last couple of weeks, so that's always the bonus. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to make it so I don't have to take a detour uh, in order to finish the show before uh, arriving at my destination. Um, we talked about this from the Edmonton side. Is there anything worth chatting about on Hamilton's side here? I mean, James Butler looked good again, now has four of the top seven running back fantasy performances of the year um and got the ball a decent amount but new play calling with uh scott milanovic taking over and it kind of falls a little bit flat still in this game seemingly for the tie cats so is this a case where it's going to take a couple of weeks this was a team coming off the bye week as well uh, so you expect them to be a little more amped up for that one um, i don't know how does it how does hamilton turn this around now I can't help but feel Ryan versus the season slipping away very, very quickly. Um, fan confidence seems at an all-time low. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to any of the call-in shows uh, post-game. Uh, I happened to catch a bit of one. Um, this is a team that... <laughs> It's the Eastern version of Saskatchewan, to put it nicely. It's a fan base that had high expectations going into into the uh, into the season. Obviously, with Bully by Mitchell and a bunch of other changes, um, uh, there was a lot of finger pointing at Orlando Steinauer now, and, and I think we're getting to that point where, at the end of the season, a decision has to be made. Um, you know, this certainly doesn't look like the team that lost two great cups to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers anymore. Uh, this looks like a team that's regressed in many areas. And unfortunately, their schedule doesn't get a heck of a lot easier in the next couple of weeks. And unfortunately, I think it's a situation of it's going to get worse before it gets better. And the, the question is, what did the Nets shoot a drop? Um, but wow. in fairness, I don't think. That, in fairness, though, Ryan, I don't think they've had the quarterback play to kind of help themselves out, right? And you know, it's CFL. I think what we're learning is very much a quarterback-driven lead, and yeah, Hamilton doesn't have a lot of production at the most important position on the field, and I don't know who's to blame for that. Yeah, Taylor Powell hasn't looked. Great uh, in the past couple of weeks. I mean, did we have the highest of expectations for him coming in as what the third or fourth string quarterback for the team? No, we didn't really for any of them. And obviously, some have, have you know flourished more than others have so far. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me honestly because I know they talked about when Bo went down with his latest injury that uh, oh he'd be on the sixth game, but we expect him back. Uh, and, but a lot of people were speculating, you know, is Bo going to, like, should he come back this year? Is he going to come back this year? 
they're going to slide him back in as soon as he's uh, remotely healthy to play because they're going to make that push, I think, and they're going to have to make that push in order to save some jobs there. But not looking good for the Ticats. Uh, maybe the secret is to just never host the Grey Cup. Maybe this is a new trend after Saskatchewan last year, Hamilton this year. Uh, watch out, BC and Winnipeg in the next two seasons. Uh, let's move on to another game and another topic here. Um, of the other games we haven't talked about, which topic interests you the most, Mike? Well, suddenly BC looking like a little bit human late. Um particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, Jake Doladala seemingly wanted to prove his doubters wrong. And after that, debacle in Montreal coming out and getting some new, new injection at receiver and Keenan Schaefer Baker, um, you know, that was a, a, a performance for the writers, but with maybe, maybe their first half, I should say, was probably their best of the season by a long shot. Uh, and it wasn't even close. And now all of a sudden, I have some questions about BC, Ryan. Well, first, I will give you credit, Mike, because we all called you insane on the podcast last week when you picked the Rockers to win in the upset. Uh, and you subsequently, subsequently reminded us several times as the game went along that you did so. And as as the Lions got close at the end of that game, I had the trigger finger ready, my friend, to go and uh, reply to you one more time and say, wait, who picked the Riders Uh, once the Lions complete the comeback? But they did not. They fall just short in this one. Uh, 455 or so passing yards for VA in a losing effort because the defense can't seem to get a stop when... I mean, you look at Jake Dolagala again in the start, you look at the Riders said not put up more than 15 points, I think, in like five of their last six games or something like that. Uh, and uh, kind of just expecting, you know, BC was going to do what they do and shut them down big time. And they didn't. I mean, Dolagala, three touchdown passes. I think most of those came in the first half, if not all of them. Uh, the Riders, you know, put a, up a good, their best offensive day, probably since their shootout with the Bombers in week number two. Uh, I guess they had a higher scoring one with Calgary there also. Um, but the, you know, the Lions defense seems to be taking a puzzling step back. And we thought it was just the, the, the game against Winnipeg on a short week against the team off the bye, like that one was excusable, but I don't know what the reason is necessarily for this one. I mean, the team doesn't play as good on the road as they play at home, but in general, we've seen a dissension, uh, you know, a bit of a slide from this tenacious defensive line that we hyped up so much early in the season where we were talking about Matthew Betts being, you know, the front runner for MOP and you're not going to slow this defensive line down. And in their last four or so games, I think they've averaged one or two sacks only. So they're not getting the job done. They didn't get any turnovers on Dolagala this week. He threw a clean game there. Um, BC is a team that will probably still win more games than they lose. Because even if the defense has taken a step back, like VA's throwing for 300, 400 yards a game pretty consistently, even against a good defense like the Riders. So... I think the Lions are still a good football team and they're still an upper tier team in the CFL to me, but definitely a bit of a concern in the defensive play in this game for them. 
it, it's interesting too, but did you have to remember that first game was the statue, and that was an only that was only a nineteen to nine victory. Um, so it's not like they off in that win either, uh, offensively or uh, defensively. That was also the game that Vernon Adams left with an injury. So yeah. there is sort of cracks in the cement, if you will, in BC. But I'm with you. I I think they're a good team. I I just think they maybe overperformed slightly uh, early on in the season. And I, I have to wonder what that does, you know, contrary to someone's line of thinking, like, is Saskatchewan would really have this dating door to the Grey Cup idea, you know? I'm not suggesting it's going to happen, but suddenly I feel like that... Um, Suddenly, I feel like that West is a little more wide open than perhaps uh, we're giving credit to. Um, Ryan, I was going to interject here today. Josh wants, has something to say. Uh, I'm going to see if I can get him on here. Um, hang on a second, Josh. You should be able to speak now. Okay, good. Well, I just wanted to briefly chime in. You talked about the possibility of the Elks making the playoffs would be a very crazy thing if it happened. I think there's no choice. They have to beat Ottawa this week, and then they have to sweep Calgary in the back-to-back because they're the immediate competition. Both of them are at three wins, if I remember right. Realistically, I would think the next four games, because the Riders are after that, are probably all need to wins because the tail end of the Elks schedule is tough. But if there's any of the next four that Edmonton could afford to lose, it would be the Riders because they're already pretty far ahead. And I doubt Edmonton would catch them even in the most positive of circumstances. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing is right. So they, if they, if they're going to make the playoffs in the West, presumably unless something happens, they're catch, they got to catch Calgary. They got to catch, they got to pass Calgary and Saskatchewan. They've already lost the season series to the Riders. So essentially, whether you're going out west or going out east, Edmonton's got to one-up the third-place team in the standings, right? It's, it's not a matter of tying uh, the Riders unless the Riders fall out and they tie Calgary. I guess that would work. Uh, so you're right. You know, the Riders do have a bit of an upper hand. This game kind of killed it, the season series. You got to go back for Edmonton, right, to those two games against the Riders. They came oh so close earlier this season. They they punch either of those two in and seal the deal, and we're talking about an entirely different West Division. That's true. The thing is, I think crossover is realistically the only attainable path to the playoffs for Edmonton at this point. But, yep, you are correct. The two games against the Riders were the old get smart, missed it by that much sort of thing. Uh, movie reference I actually for once got. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so as well. And, uh, you know, we can, uh, we'll talk about Ottawa here in a second. But I, I think they're a team that, you know, the, I, if the Elks go on a run here, I think it's attainable to surpass them in the standings. Uh, anything else you want to talk about while you're here, Josh? No, that was all I had. Right on. Well, thanks for the call. I appreciate you chiming in here. I always enjoy our discussions in the Discord community. And uh, congrats on the uh, the first Elks win of the season. Let's uh, Fingers crossed they can get one at home now. Yeah, no time like the present. <laughs> Hopefully this week will be it. 
Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Uh, well, we t- since it's relevant, let- let's go over Mike and talk about the Ottawa Red Blacks here uh, uh, in this game. And, you know, we'll talk about their game with Montreal here where uh, Ottawa early in this game started putting some points on the board. You don't really do that against the Alouettes. Only BC and Toronto had scored more than 20 uh, on them coming into this game. And they... Uh, all of a sudden the Red Blacks, didn't they jump out to like a 24-something lead? And then it was a tale of two halves, and here comes Caleb Evans uh, after looking like a disaster in the first half and, and rallies the late-game comeback to get it done. Ha- have you seen a team, Mike, uh, be more involved in close theatric endings than the Ottawa Red Blacks have been week after week after week this season? Um, The only thing that comes close is that a bomber team that was like four and fourteen or whatever they were that one year and lost nine or ten games by one possession? I was thinking the exact same thing there. Like this is a team that like we all we we talk about Ottawa pretty positively lately, right? Like Dustin Crum is revitalizing the team, and you know their run defense is really good and things like that, but. When you start falling short week after week after week, we can talk glowingly about you all we, we want, but eventually you're just not getting the job done. Yeah, it's what's that saying? It's only good if you win, right? It's only close, close is only okay in horseshoes or whatever that saying is. Um, at some point, Ryan, there needs to be an evaluation of why are we losing these close games? Right, like, and to me, this is the most inexcusable loss of all of them, uh, given the lead that they had. Uh, again, I was at a wedding when this game was going on, so I, I thought, okay, you know, two touchdowns firmly in control. I did not anticipate second half Caleb Evans showing up and turning that game on a dime. Um, it's really, really interesting. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, oh, it's a belly, you know, they don't have a late game miracle comeback to Winnipeg. You know, they're at two wins. You know, Trump gets stopped at the goal line a couple of times in, in other games. Uh, it's just very, very interesting. And, Unfortunately, I think it speaks to the talent level or sort of the talent of where Ottawa's roster is um, about margin for error that certain teams have over others. And I think Ottawa's margin for error, well, I guess room for error, if you want to call it that, and room for mistakes, if you will, is very minimal compared to that of maybe a tier one team who can you know, overcome a, a certain element of mistakes and still and still win football games. I, I don't believe that Ottawa's there. Um, they seem to want to be there for like three quarters of a lot of games, but, you know, they just can't close it when it counts. They meet that one mistake that, that uh, seemingly has them in the loss column uh, at the end of the game. And, and I think that's a byproduct of, where Ottawa is, they're just not, they're not that type of team that can overcome those types of mistakes and lapses in games and expect to win a team more times than not. 
yeah, they're a team when I look at, you know, the talent level of some of their skill players. And they've got some great players in their lineup, but they've got some great players that, that have struggled. Like Shaq Evans has been back in the lineup for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks now making his Red Blacks debut. And you expect, uh, you know, why? I know he's had injuries the past couple of years and he had down season last year for Saskatchewan too, but you'd hope that, you know, Shaq Evans comes in and gives them a boost. We've been waiting to see Braylon Addison. It seemed like he was ready to play a couple weeks ago and he hasn't shown up in the lineup yet. I think when you compare them to some of the other teams around the league, I think there is a bit of a lack of depth at uh, some of these skill positions for them. Um, that you know has hurt them a little bit injuries also i think they were one of the worst uh lock injury teams in the cfl i mean they're at their fourth they're on their fourth starting quarterback of the year granted half the teams i guess are probably there now uh but these these games that are slipping away from you are going to cost you because they pull this one off against montreal and then start we start looking at okay well can they make in things interesting with the alouettes there but uh, it seemed like they had Caleb Evans dead to rights uh, at halftime. Uh, several turnovers just did not look good. And let him turn it around and burn his old team. And boy, that one's got to feel good for one Caleb Evans to go and get that uh, comeback win against his former club here. Uh, he started two games in a row now. Now they go over to Winnipeg Thursday night. Uh, I guess we'll wait and see. Is Fajardo ready to go yet? Is it Caleb Evans again? You know, this is a guy who was a starter at times last year and a great short yardage quarterback, but showed flashes and then struggled. And like every Ottawa quarterback in the past several years has um, seemingly, you know, couldn't stick with the starting job. So uh, kudos to him for rallying the comeback and turning around because it did not look good in that first half. And maybe this is just another reason we have to consider Montreal to be an elite team in the CFL, uh, the ability to uh, rally back and pull this off. Here's a here's a quick thing for you. It is going to be Cajardo on Thursday night. The Alouette did confirm that this afternoon. Uh, so it is okay. Cody back behind the controls. Um, I know this wasn't in the outline, but it just kind of popped into my head here as you were talking. Is Jason Moss the coach of the year in the East? Uh, I would it would be hard for me to ignore Ryan Dinwiddie. I think. Um, I mean, based on how well the Argos have played this year, outside of that one uh, that one loss there to Calgary, where Chad Kelly got injured in it, I think other than that, I would probably say that yeah, I would go to Dinwiddie. But Moss has outperformed my expectations. I mean, they're running the ball. They're they're actually running an effective offense, which is something he struggled with, I feel like, the past couple of years uh, over in Saskatchewan. And the defense outside of this game where they gave up a bit more, I mean, has played pretty good this season so far, too. So I'm high on what the Alouettes have done this year. They hyped them up last week and was in shambles when it seemed like it was all falling apart early on in this game. But they, they got it back, and now, you know, if they can put up a statement win over Winnipeg here, and they're sitting pretty in that East Division. So uh, I think that's, uh, I think they're still a top-tier team in the CFL. Uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, uh, let's talk about Calgary. Because they, uh, well, or Renee Paradis, I guess, tried to single-handedly Hit them past the Blue Bombers. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite work. Um, and that is now one offensive touchdown in four games. Um, seemed to be relying 
relying a little bit too much on their goaltender to get the points. Um, what are your thoughts on where Calgary sits? What's the solution in Calgary? I don't know, to be honest. Like that, I I had Jake Mayer as my number two quarterback in CFL when we ranked our top fives coming into the season, and I meant it uh, because I really liked what I saw from him last season. But he has just struggled. Like he's under 200 yards of offense, I think, now in what three straight football games for him uh, of passing at least. You know, it's not productive and. And this week, I like the creativity a little bit. You know, everybody, all of the talk had been about, well, he's throwing these five-yard passes, six-yard passes, and that's it. And that's going to be obviously not productive enough. Uh, and they took a couple of deep shots. And I thought those couple of deep shots worked well for them at times uh, and made it more productive. But again, if you're, you know, if that's all you've got is one or two deep shots, uh, and you can't be an efficient passer the rest of the way. That's going to not make your offense go very far. I'm still trying to figure out, honestly, the dynamic of what this looks like with Diedrich Mills and Kadeem Carey, because um, it seems like we've got a bit of a dual-back system going on, and uh, it seems like neither has been that crazy efficient uh, so far since they came back. Mills probably a little more than Carey, maybe due to the injury. Uh, but that seems like something, seems like a lot of things the Stamps are just trying to constantly find out. Like they're at wide receiver, you know, I track uh, what uh, specific wide receiver position players line up at every single week. And Calgary seems to have more turnover there week after week after week than anybody else in the league uh, as they move guys around and just try to find something that sticks. And I think they're going to have to keep doing that. Now, maybe it's two matchups with the Elks coming up is just what the doctor ordered for them after they get through Toronto again here. But uh, this is certainly not the Calgary Stampeders we're used to seeing. Is that 18 years in the playoff streak in serious jeopardy in your mind? I think it has to be, right? Like, uh, if Saskatchewan, you know, can rally here a little bit, BC and Winnipeg should still stay at the top there. Maybe you can, maybe you can get that East crossover for Calgary. But let's say you know Toronto coming off the bye, they stamps here this week. And then what if Edmonton wins another game in a row? And now they're flying high coming into the matchups with Calgary. Uh, and could we see the Elks, you know, win one, win two of those? And then what does that mean for the Stampeders? This is unforeseen territory. Like it's in my honestly, in my time as a CFL fan. For the most part, I don't think I've seen Calgary struggle like they have early this season. It's just interesting it's crazy. because I think I, I think Ryan too going into Labor Day. If people think the Bombers are going to beat the Riders twice and the Stamps are going to beat the Outs twice, you know, Labor Day and the rematches, you haven't seen anything about Canadian football lead on Labor Day. Um, anything can happen. And, you know, I, I think I think Calgary needs to figure it out earlier. Things are going to be gonna be pretty ugly there. I mean, their season ticket base has been down over the last number of years. They're, uh, I mean, what was it, 9 degrees there on Friday after being, you know, 35 degrees? Not to say that not, that's not going to help, help, you know, get people in seats, but it's just I don't want to have – 
uh, schadenfreude when it comes to Calgary, which is like the German equivalent of taking, taking pride in someone else's misfortune. Um, but geez, we haven't seen this uh, from Calgary. And all of a sudden, you know, I have to wonder, Ryan, honestly, if it's the play calling or if it's Dave Dickinson trying to get a handle on trying to be the coach and GM at once. Uh, I'm still trying to figure both jobs out. And, you know, he doesn't really want to step in on the play calling side. You know, doesn't want to really want to step on toes. Yeah, At some point, something's got to give before they get too far out of this. And I think those Battle of Alberta's are going to be very, very intriguing. Uh, coming up, as will this week's game for them. Uh, both teams played this week prior to that matchup. I can't help but wonder it's two teams headed in opposite directions. But, yeah, they're, they're, I have a lot more questions, maybe a lot more questions this year than I have in the previous nine years about Calgary put together. Um, and something, yeah. something, something has to give if they're going to be a, a playoff team. I just don't know what that is right now. Yeah, in the interesting, because he's talking about Dave Dickinson, maybe not, you know, trying to get back involved in the play calling here. Something you have to think about as well is how often did Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, just call some of his own plays or contribute to some of his play calling? You know, I think it's a lot easier to kind of have a quarterback that's been a top tier quarterback in the CFL for, you know, a decade or so or however many years he's played and go and, you know, construct and orchestrate the offensive game plan for him than it is, you know, maybe a young quarterback that's not as situated yet that maybe does need a bit more hand holding with the play calling. So, uh, could that be contributing to Mayor's struggles? I don't know. I'm not an X's and O's guy. Uh, personally, I, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, and the numbers aren't adding up for Calgary right now is where we're at on there. Uh, we got about seven minutes left here, Mike. Uh, what other topics do we want to talk about from this week? I guess, you know, we. I want to go back to Saskatchewan a little bit because we did talk more about the BC side of that than the Saskatchewan side. I mean, the Riders got that win this week uh, and uh, with Jake Dolagala at the helm. Uh, I'll give him credit for the three touchdown passes early in the game. Uh, you know, he didn't throw an interception against his BC defense. I think he played a pretty good safe game there. Interesting thing came out this week for the Riders where Craig Dickinson said he is not sure who will start on Labor Day after the bye week yet. Uh, and that Mason fine will should be back and ready to go by then. Is it obvious or is it not obvious? Who who starts at quarterback for the Riders uh, come Labor Day coming out of the bye week? This is Coach Dickinson just playing games. Um, he's taking one out of the O'Shea playbook, uh, in, in my mind. Um, to me, you go with the dice when you the game late. Uh, we're in the business of winning football games, Ryan, and one quarterback has kind of won a football game while the other has kind of struggled to do so. Now, the coach's interpretation of that might be different, but to me, to me, this is very, very obvious, and if it's not Jake Ladala, I'll be very, very surprised. 
Um, I, I think it should be Jay Doladella. He showed that there's no reason it shouldn't be Jay Doladella. And quite honestly, I saw some trolls from Jay Doladella this week that I haven't really seen from Mason Fine. So, the long and short of it, I think it's gamesmanship having to have Winnipeg prepared for two quarterbacks. But, I mean, O'Shea's been around the block enough times to know what's coming. And I, I think as long as you win, you do, you've earned your right to stay in. Uh, I consider it a 1A, 1B scenario right now, whichever hair is out. Um, and unfortunately, I, or fortunately, I think you go with the hot hand, and I think that's Jake Doladala. I'm going to be the devil's advocate and have an unpopular take here and say I think it should be Mason Fine. And, you know, I. I'm not a bel- I wasn't a believer in Dolagala. I thought he was going to have a disastrous game this time around. Uh, but I'll give him credit. But I also think the performance was a little bit overrated, actually. Uh, you know, 230-something passing yards, I believe it was in the game. That's nothing spectacular. You got the touchdowns, which fine didn't in a lot of those games. Sure, I will absolutely give him credit for that. Uh, but then it kind of fell apart in a lot of the second half, and they didn't really move the ball in there as well. I think he could be a good quarterback in this league. I also think Mason Fine could be a pretty good quarterback in this league, and I don't think he did anything in his couple of starts there to necessarily lose the job, and I hate seeing a guy lose the job due to injury when that happens. Uh, I think his early struggles were more of the play calling, kind of you know being extra conservative for him there. And maybe they learned their lesson from that and, you know, said, okay, Dolagawa, go at it uh, in this game. And so they adjust their play calling there a little bit. But I'm still a believer in Mason Fine. That, that's my stance on the Riders there. I think he's still the better quarterback uh, longer term here. But also, I totally do understand that you're going to go with the hot hand. It just sucks to see a guy potentially lose his job uh, because he got injured. But it happens all the time. It's the world of sports. It's the world of business. Three minutes, Mike. Uh, what's your big topic here? What do you want to close it out with? Let's close it out with it was nice to see some. It was nice to see some close games this week. Um, mm. There weren't all. There weren't a lot of them leading up to it, but it was nice to see three out of four games that were pretty close this week. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Elks had the largest margin of victory. Came down to a one-point win for the Bucks, I think, and same for same for Montreal over Ottawa, and then uh, BC falls just short on the comeback there at the end. It was some exciting football this week, and it's it's really good to see. Uh, these exciting football games there for sure. Which one was your favorite of the week? I would have to say Saskatchewan and BC just because of the ebbs and flows and there was touchdowns and there was, uh, you know, changes in momentum in that game. Uh, I mean, Lucky Whitehead, Ryan, came three inches away from catching the deflected football, but probably would have won BC the football game. Uh, hmm. But uh, no, that, that, that to me was the game of the week. Um, Combat's, I guess, the name of the story. Um, and I just, like, I can't help but feel extremely happy for Montreal. Uh, I hate the six and three now. Uh, that would be a good nine game segment. Uh, eight game segment of five and three. 
puts you on pace for a 10 and 6 season, extrapolated over two halves. You'd certainly take that over Montreal, I think, compared to what a lot of expectations were in the preseason. Um, and then certainly, I think it would be Montreal, but Toronto's closest uh, competition, I guess, to the East Division uh, when it comes to the playoffs at this present time. Um, so, so there's a lot of things that, that uh, what made me made me kind of happy, I guess, and things that I'm kind of noting uh, in the CFL this week. Well, if we want to end it with notes of positivity, I got to talk about super quick here. The We talk all about, you know, is the league dying? Is attendance going down? Things like that. TV numbers, they've been crushing it through 11 weeks so far this season. We've got the Bombers hosting the Alouettes Thursday night. Sounds like tickets have sold pretty well for that. We've seen BC, you know, great job with their home crowds this year. And now it sounds like the Argos, I don't know if it's for their game this week against Calgary or an upcoming game, have opened additional seats there as well. And uh, I thought it was reading uh, potentially their largest crowd at BMO Field since uh, they first started playing there. So, you know, we see all of this talk constantly about, oh, you know, fans not showing up to games anymore, you know, cities like Edmonton and Calgary, things like that this season. But I think there's a couple markets across the league that are doing really strong this year, better than normal. The TV interest is better than normal. It's been a uh, quarterback injuries aside. It's been a great first half of the CFL season. I'm just here and ready to go for the second half coming up. They always say the season starts after Labor Day or on Labor Day, right? Yeah, and we are getting there shortly. And uh, part of the matchups there as well. Well, that's going to do it for today. Uh, are there any final chat comments to uh, talk about here quickly, Mike? Nope, don't add any. All right, sounds good. Well, then we'll wrap it up. Here has been another edition of the Drive Home Call-In Show on the Canadian Football Countdown. Mike and Ryan joining you here every Tuesday live in the Discord community around, uh, it's normally around 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we post earlier in the uh, Discord uh, during the day uh, exactly what time it will be. It depends what time I am on the drive home uh, for the day. Of course, you can check it out every week in the audio feeds. But if you want to join us live and uh, chime in with your comments, join the Discord. Make sure you check out our Wednesday night show live on our YouTube and various platforms as well. We'll be previewing this week, week number 12 in the CFL season. Uh, where we will take a look at the major storylines, uh, CFL fantasy picks, and our betting picks. Uh, I'll try to do better than 0-8 in betting this week. We'll see if that's possible. Uh, that's Wednesday night, 10.30 p.m. Central Time, live. Of course, you can catch it in the feeds afterwards uh, the next morning as well. Uh, check out us on social media as well, at CFCountdownPod on x.com and on facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod there as well. Uh, For Mike, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one.